Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Decision Hour. I am your host, Adam Bird. Thank you. Hold your applause. Uh, listen, got another great interview lined up for you today. This one's a special one for me. Special? How? Yeah. That's a loaded question, uh, really, now that I think about it. Now, your guest today, she's a singer-songwriter, and it's somebody whom I have the honor of calling a friend for the last 20-plus years. Yeah, think about that for a second, right? Huh. Um, singer, songwriter, and uh, we've actually, we're in the, we were in the military together, so she's a, she is a veteran. So listen, without further ado, I'm going to bring on my friend, Hannah Praley. Hannah, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Big fan. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> literally not even 50 seconds into the show. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, you're probably the best guest. You, know? <laughs> you, you guys are in for a real treat uh, today. It, this is this is awesome. And this has been a long time coming. Uh, seriously, because I've been, I've been a fan of, of Hannah's for, for a long time. But before I go into the the history of it or whatnot, let's let's have you tell our guests who you are, where you're from, what you're about, a little bit about yourself. Go. All right. So just to frame it all, I think that maybe one of the most memorable things somebody said to me one time was, you're the most talented, not famous person I know. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm just kind of working all the time, yeah. but anyway, so my name is Hannah. Uh, <laughs> I grew up mostly on the Navajo reservation in Chinle, Arizona. My dad was a teacher there after having been, he was a veteran himself in the army and uh, was in the oil field in my younger years. So we, we moved around a whole lot and had a very, uh, dirtbag, mercenary, blue-collar kind of life. And then we ended up on the Navajo Reservation, which was just great. When I was 10, um, graduated from high school there. Um, I was always interested in truck driving. So I joined the Army National Guard in the motor transport unit. That's where I met you. Mm -hmm. 20, 25 years ago? 23 years ago? Yeah, something it, like that? It was a long time ago. And, uh, yeah, Bird was my co-driver. I <laughs> I was the driver, but Bird was the co-driver. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> She's not lying. There's so much truth to that. Oh, my God, do we have stories. Probably for another show, you might get one or two this one. Who knows? Yeah, notably, I, I think the most memorable time was, like, we spent, like, 27 hours in a truck together because <laughs> of, like, operational problems. <laughs> this work really like <laughs> there are no trees no, out here there's nothing there's, out there yeah. so so that that was a memorable experience with uh with bird anyway uh but yeah i wasn't quite satisfied uh with uh with the trucking that i got to do in the army guard and so i went ahead and i got my cdl when i was like 22 and did some over the road trucking and i've been like in and out of commercial driving ever since and commercial driving education and, uh, but I also, um, my dad was a composer. And so I grew up with a house full of his music. He was on piano. Yeah. And like I said, he was a veteran. He did oil field. You know, he was, we were a very, uh, blue collar kind of family, but I think that it was just natural to me that self-expression is just a part of our life, right. you know, like right. that, that was just very accepted in my family, which now I, I see that that tends to be a little bit um polarized you know um i i'd like to get into that a yeah. little bit more later in yeah. terms of like culturally and stuff right but anyway so I, yeah i'm very grateful for my family i'm very grateful for my parents who kind of showed me that work ethic but also that you know uh sort of impetus towards self-expression and um had a lot of music in the house growing up and so yeah i became interested in songwriting and just writing generally right poetry and just all kinds of things really 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 young and i just kind of started messing around with it I, I don't even remember a time that i wasn't messing around with something like that you know um and so <laughs> i got an education i went to nau in flagstaff like i got a bachelor's in music performance i got a master's in uh, creative writing actually creative yeah. nonfiction. 
But the funny thing is I kind of ended up always using my commercial driver's license and my experience in trucking to sort of leverage more and more high paying and like mercenary sort of like trucking work in order to fund my creative projects. Right. And so like production is really expensive on music and I have really, really a really good team and I've used my CDL to pretty much pay for all of that, you know? And so once I sort of figured out how to put those things together, then I started to really enjoy life, you know? And I felt like I enjoyed like both aspects. Um, And so that's, that's kind of continued. I've had some interesting plot twists. (laughs) In the last couple of years, but right now, out of nowhere, I live in Hawaii, which I'd never even been to Hawaii before 2020. So I live here with my little dog and my dad and brother, and it is way more gorgeous than you even think. Right. It's like mind-numbingly gorgeous. So yeah, I, I think that's probably a good enough synopsis to start off with. I think so. And so, all right, so... <laughs> Now I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump in for a second. So she she mentioned that I was her A driver uh, and whatnot. And we met. I believe it was fall of '98 is when I came to Flagstaff the first time. Joined a un- joined the unit transportation unit up there, mm-hmm. and um, shortly after we um, Hannah and I became friends. I was her A driver a couple of times. And, and the trip that she's talking, we took this long trip. To oh, I just lost it. Um, National training center. Thank you, NTC Fort Fort Irwin, which is like you know, picture hell on earth, and that's kind of like, but it's like in the middle of nowhere. Like I'm pretty sure when we were driving out there, like there was a leprechaun that ran across the desert floor. Like it just seemed like it was just going, going, going. you had to do all that training with the night vision goggles, and I literally saw a leprechaun because yeah. it like ter- it wears out your eyes. Right. I saw it was, dude. It was literally yeah. 130 degrees yeah. the daytime. We had no AC in the trucks or the tents nothing, or anything. Nothing. And it was in the 50s at night. There was like an 80 degree. Yeah. You're like you're like hot as balls during the day, and then at night you're like freezing, and yeah. and we're just like, how long are we gonna be here again? 30, I know, and then like the whole month this blows. <laughs> I think they had some kind of disagreement with the local contractors that provided the shitters. And so, remember when we we're rolling out for that really long like convoy? They had like chains yeah. around all the bodies, and we were all just like, "Oh, great, okay." Been eating MREs, yeah. so that helps. But <laughs> <This is like, laughs> <laughs> dude, there was nowhere to go to the like. We're in the desert. Like nothing. When I say nothing, I want you to like walk outside and just look out your window or walk outside and just picture nothing there and times that by 10. And that's exactly what we saw. Absolutely nothing. And then you're just like, I gotta take a dump. Like really? Like sit between the tires. Like what are you going to do? Like we couldn't figure out. Like don't look. Nobody wants to look. It was just it was so bad. It was so bad. Oh my god! Oh, I don't know if I ever told you this, but when I first got into the creative writing program uh, in, in AU, so this is a master's program. So I was with all these like mega nerds that already had studied creative writing and English and stuff in their undergraduate, but right. I hadn't. And so I'm in this writing workshop, and they're like, "Okay, write something," and then you have to share it with the class. And I was like, "All right." And I wrote about that. I wrote about you <laughs> being stuck in the truck together for 27 hours on some mission where we didn't get any information, yeah. you know, and our, and our Lieutenant was like the least capable human being in the world. He got himself hung up on his web gear, I think off of somebody's oh, like rear view mirror and uh, having nowhere to shit, you know, and all these things. And like, I was acute. This is where I kind of touched on this during my little intro where there seems to be this kind of, cultural split between like all all the people who've studied creative self-expression are kind of like also raging leftists and then all the people who like are in the blue collar sector and kind of holding it down with team reality are like not engaged in creative self-expression right. Do you know what i mean yep yep and this was it took me a while to kind of like even conceptualize that or like understand what was happening 
because the whole time I was in in grad school, I was like, I feel like I'm really different, but I don't understand why, you know. And <laughs> but I I wrote this essay, this creative nonfiction essay about this, and it, and I was being it was kind of comical, but it was also serious. I was like, this, this is this is like some serious problems yeah. we had, you know. <laughs> and uh, the I was I was just like eviscerated in the when they workshopped it. I was I was just like eviscerated by the class. Oh, they were sure. like, this scatological humor is really tactless. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> that shit happened. <laughs> because it's it's non-believable for most people if you you really have to just go through it and and live through it. It, it. There really was that whole trip was hilarious and it was the funny. Whole trip was just like absurd because yeah. I re, I remember going through <laughs> when I when I sold my house. When I sold my house and I was putting stuff in storage, I was going through pictures and there's a picture and I'll have to send it to you, but there's a picture of the two of us uh, near the truck. And I, th- I think you're like taking a knee or, or squatting down or something. And I'm, or one of us is kind of standing. I forget what it was, but we, we, oh, we both of us that. struck a pose and it was just, it. <laughs> every time I look at that, I can't help but laugh or like, oh my God, that trip was freaking just hilarious. You gotta find it and like throw it up here in the. In the <laughs> I, I I'll have to look for it because yeah. it's it's one of those things where it's just like yeah, classic. All right, listen, Hannah, I wanna I wanna dive into you. As long as I've known you, you've been doing music. You've been you've been writing. You've been performing. Uh, I remember times going up to see you in uh, when you were performing at Flagstaff. Uh, I want you to talk a little bit more about, well, actually, my first question to you is, do you remember the first song you ever written or wrote? Written? Wrote? Whatever. First song? No, I don't. Okay. I, I, think, I've, I, I think the attrition has been pretty high yeah. on my songwriting because I've written so many. Yeah, that's, and that was the next one. Yeah, I've engaged really heavily and then disengaged at times usually because of work stuff or I there's been a lot of times where I was like frustrated with the whole process and I was like maybe this is just too frustrating and I you know I've I've tried to abandon it and then I come back to it and I tell you what there's a lot of lost songs out there and there's a lot of lost recordings every now and then I'll move and I'll come across some old tape or cd and it's me my little my little mousy voice like playing at some open mic or something like literally decades ago and I'm like you know, usually my reaction is like, oh, that's not nearly as bad as I thought it was. Um, but just just as an example, I did a little experiment with myself this past March where I decided to try to write a song every day. Um, oh, wow. And I did, you know, so my songwriting output, basically, my, currently my finances cannot keep up with the production costs of my songwriting output. Like my producer has you know, 50, like a backlog of like 50 songs that we need to Gee. track. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Um, if I could, if I could just do that, I would, you know, like I, I love it. I just, I, I never, I never run out of juice. I never run out of juice because you know what? Life never stops happening to you. Right. Like it never stops being interesting. So <clears throat> Hannah, let, let's, let, that's a, that's a good transition here. I, you're talking about your songs. I know you have a lot of songs that are out right now. For the listeners that are listening to this right now, where can they go hear your songs? Okay, so um, I've been putting out a single every two weeks for months now um, in kind of a concentrated effort to you know, just get stuff out there in, in, a, in a consistent manner. I'd like to keep doing this for years, the rest of my life, whatever. Um, and we've in my opinion, I know this seems a little off topic, but I just want to say it. In my opinion, we've, we've exited the age in which it's important to put out an album at a time. Mm-hmm. People don't listen to music that way anymore. Right. You know, like when's the last time you bought an entire album versus like, oh, I just want this song or two, you right. know, right. by this artist. And so I've kind of abandoned that idea for myself completely because I just don't see that it serves me. 
Um, and you can get you can get in people's sort of like attention real estate a little bit more often if you just have like consistent releases, you right. know. And then um, also for right now, I've abandoned the idea of physical uh, CDs or records, you know. Down the road, I could see if, if if things go the way that I want them to go, there being some kind of like collector's item that, you know, is really neat that's put together that's yeah. kind of greatest or something like that that's physical. Yeah. Right now, um, my music is on all of the streaming platforms. So it doesn't matter if somebody uses Spotify or YouTube or Tidal or uh, iTunes, like literally any anything that streams music is going to have it on there. And even that the apps like uh, social media apps like Instagram and Snapchat, um, where you can actually, if you're going to, or TikTok, like if you're going to make a little video, you know, you can like search the song catalog and mm -hmm. like add music to your video. Yeah. So my songs are in there too. Oh, wow. Right on. Yeah. 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 So people could add my music to their little TikTok or their little video That's or their cool. reel, you know, if they wanted to. That's cool. Yeah. 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 So I've just gone like, like wholehearted digital, like for, for this point in time, because I don't see a reason not to talk to us about the songwriting process for you. Like how <clears throat> does, how does it, how does it get started? How does it, what, what happens? What prompts you to, Hey, you know what? That, that's, I'm going to write a song about this. Do you sit down with a piece of paper and you just start writing or Walk us through that process because that seems like that's something, especially if you were doing it every day. Yeah, it's quite a process, well, I would think. So I've I've kind of dialed this in for myself over time. Um, it used to be a lot more uh, like some weird form of childbirth that was like really traumatic, and you didn't know how long it was going to take, and it was a result of like kind of having some emotions that I didn't really know what to do with, and you know finally having an outlet and I, I think I used to use songwriting to cope with life because it's hard. It's hard to cope with life. Right. Um, and I really strongly feel that for all of us, you know, our sort of uh, emotion that's above and beyond the sort of container that our life gives us to deal with that it's either going to turn creative or it's going to turn destructive on some level. So I think it's important for all of us, whether that looks like a creative outlet or not, you know, I think it could be like getting really, really good at blindfolded disassembly and assembly of an M60. Like it could look like anything, you know, but to, to have some kind of creative outlet so that it doesn't turn destructive on you. Right. Um, so I think I've used it that way, but yeah, more recently I just kind of, fallen in love with the songwriting process itself and been like, you know, this is its own whole skill that I'd like to get better at. And I'd like to play with different aspects of it. Um, for instance, just in the last half year, I wrote my first ever duet, which I've been wanting to do for a while. And then I wrote like two or three more because I was just like, holy crap, that was fun. Um, but anyway, so for me, the way that it pretty much works right now is, uh, some kind of hook connected to some kind of like really tangible, like emotional flavor within myself. Cause you got to start with the hook and it's got to be catchy, not trite, not cliche, but like relatable. Um, so there's a song I'm working on right now called sugar in the rain, you know? So that's kind of an idiom, like sugar in the rain is a visual of like something just dissolving sort of out of your control. Yeah. Um, but so when I say hook, I mean, like, you're not necessarily going to come up with the whole chorus in your mind right away, but just like that, that hook is going to be this sort of thesis or like the centralizing. And it's, it's really helpful. It's a, it's a very visual idea. And then if you, once you have that and that it's interesting because the internal work of it is that that sort of has to connect to a strong core of emotion within yourself that maybe something recently that's come up for you, or it may be something that's like nostalgia, you know, it could, it could be anything, but something that has a really identifiable flavor. Right. And when I say flavor, I almost mean like this is, I, I think this is something that anybody could relate to. Like remember Christmas morning when you were a kid 
and you didn't have to shovel the driveway and right. nothing was your problem. You didn't have to pay the rent. You just had to wake up and smell the smell of cookies and like find out what was under the tree or something like that, that you yeah. know? So that's an, like an emotional flavor that you can key in on and you could create around that. You could create a song, you could create an essay, you could create a poem, you know? So, so those two things connected together, now you've got some traction and you can create a chorus and the chorus needs to be catchy. You know, it needs to be something that sticks in people's heads. And for, for me, I think really, really, really authentic. Like the process of songwriting is almost more like discarding ideas until you come up with wording that feels like so right that it's like it writes itself like it's just organic and it a lot of times when I kind of dial that in it makes me spontaneously cry and it's not even necessarily sad crying it's right. just like you know that you got it when you have that emotional response but there's a lot of discarding of ideas to get there and then once you've got the chorus then, and this is kind of in the genres that I write in, you know, this is not rap and this is not jazz, for instance. Um, then you can create some verses and just every single thing in those verses has to drive towards that central idea of the hook and the chorus. Everything has to like support that and right. substantiate that. And I've written songs on paper. I've written songs on my computer. I like my computer more because my handwriting is so bad. <laughs> it's like I get in a rush and I'm like frustrated with how long it takes me to form letters. And so I don't even do it right. Uh, so the, the screen is good. Um, and I've written, I've written songs with my guitar with me yeah. and I've written songs without a musical instrument, you know, at least for the first part with me. And I found that I do a lot better if I don't involve the guitar until further down the road, because the melody will just kind of organically come up and I'll, I'll start to like hear it. Yeah. Just allow it, you know, and it's, it's even good to sometimes get some writing done and then go for a walk or so go like cook some words first, or, then melody. Kind of like staggering, like it'll sort of like, this will come and then this will come and then this will come, you know, yeah. it's like sort of, they, they help each other. And then along. you just piece it together. And then you piece it together and then, yeah, you just kind of let it run through your head and, and let it like, let yourself fall in love with it, you know, um, to where it just is running through your mind all the time. And then it, it really does get to a point where it starts to write itself. It really, tr I'm not exaggerating. It really, truly does. And it starts to take on its own nature and its own, um, significance. And then I like to take it to the guitar because it, at that point, it doesn't matter if it ends up, you know, then I set it to chords. And it might end up being like, wow, those chords are a little more complicated than what I was expecting. Or it might just be like three chords in the truth. But if I take it to the guitar too early, sometimes I'll psych myself out and I'll be like, oh, it sounded so cool in my head, but it turns out it's just G, C and D or something. And I'll like second guess it. Um, so, yeah, I don't like to involve the guitar too. Every, too everything that you're explaining right now. Sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> stop okay we're good are you there yeah yeah i'm here every everything that you're explaining right now sounds like a very very long process so i want to i want to clarify something and again those of you that are listening to the show right now means you're already on the internet open up another browser go to spotify itunes your favorite streaming platform, what have you, and look up Hannah Praley. Follow her and listen to her voice. You'll be glad that you did. Hannah, when you when you when you're talking about the, the writing process of this, I'm like, oh I'll sit down and write this and then and then I'll take it to the guitar and then this is I'm thinking like, oh my God, that's I get overwhelmed thinking about trying to because I'm a very visual person, so I'm trying to picture that process going through it. And I don't have a, a musical bone in my body. Like we attempted, for, you attempted to teach me how to play the guitar at NTC. And I, I got did? all of you. Oh yeah, you sure did. And it was all of uh, you. You tried teaching me how to play Poison's 
every rose has its thorn. And I'll oh. never forget that because it was like the look on your face was just like, oh, yeah. And on the inside, she's thinking, just give me the goddamn guitar back because <laughs> it was like, it, I was horrible. It was horrible. And, but, Dude, but it was so, it was so, it was it's so, so cool. how hard it is to play guitar oh, absolutely. and at the same time. It's yeah. like, it's really surprisingly hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I was just like, yeah, this is not for me. I got sausage fingers. This, this just doesn't work, you know, but it was, it, <laughs> it was I, so I, I'm trying to picture you writing it and then taking it to a guitar and you're like, yeah, I was writing, you know, a song a day and it's like, holy crap, that's. Yeah. That's talent right there. That's that's amazing because that, I, I, I don't know. Do I don't know if it's quality, but it's definitely quantity. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but, you know, some of, I think some of the best songs that I've ever written came out of that month, and there's something so amazing about forcing yourself into like a deadline, 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 deadline kind of mode where you just don't have time to be because your ego is your own worst enemy. It's right. like every single. I've sat down to write a song. My mind has told me that that's the stupidest song I've ever written. Every single one. Um, I guess that's just what it says to us. You're really hard on yourself. I think everybody is. I I mean, I think that that inner critic is like really strong with all of us. And, and what, what I found was a workaround is not to argue with it, you know, but to just be like, okay, then I guess I'm about to write the stupidest song I've ever written. Here we go, you know, and to just go with it. Nice. And then it's so amazing what can come out of it. If you don't waste all your energy, like fighting that inner critic, right? If you just say, okay, gonna do it anyway. I like that. I like yeah. that. Um, <laughs> I want to go back to something. You mentioned something about the, like the polarization of like, you know, music and then with the family or in today's society and whatnot. What do you mean by that? So I think that the, there, there's kind of a culture war that's been a quiet war. Yes. That's been going on for a while, a lot longer before I really had it on my radar. Um, that has been being won uncontested by the left. And I don't identify myself as right necessarily or conservative necessarily. Like I, I think that if if I had to put a word on it, I'd probably say libertarian because I've always been like, can we all just fucking do what we want to do? That's like legal and okay, you know, and constitutionally legal. Um, but according to the, you know, definition these days, I guess I'm like in the alt right or something. You know what I mean? I, I'm a lifelong vegan. I, I always considered myself to be like more on the left and I had, I hadn't voted a whole lot in my life to be honest, but I had tended to vote Democrat, but usually I just didn't vote. Um, I, I think because I was vegetarian and vegan and had put, um, like, you know, I really wanted to try to live a life, like not contributing to violence against animals, which I still feel that very, I mean, I'll always feel that way. That kind of, almost by default put me in one camp. And so then I kept being confused to find that, that, right. and also like my desire towards creative expression and creative outlets, you know? Right. And uh, so it's like, you go on that side, you can, you can throw a stick and you'll hit a ton of vegans and vegetarians and people who are involved in creative output in their lives. But they also uh, think that the biggest threat facing us is climate change and that we need communism and socialism to fix all the problems we need to like, give the government more money so it can work better and like all kinds of crazy stuff, right. you know? Right. And it, <laughs> so I had a real, uh, I think a lot of us probably did, you know, I had, I had to have a real come to Jesus with myself over, uh, the last couple of years as I, you know, it's just like everything got so political and so polarized. And I was not at any point confused about where I felt like I naturally was on any of those spectrums. Right. You know, it just put me in a place that, I, golly, in fact, can I just like give a call back yep. to a memory I have of you, in fact, that oh, I has some context that I don't even think you're aware of. I don't know if you remember seeing me, this is like years ago, probably in like the early 2000s. Um, you were just like walking along downtown, you were near Beaver Street Brewery, and I was sitting outside uh, Macy's drinking some coffee at those picnic tables they used to have, like yeah. across the street. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you were 
you were in your uniform. I think that you had been doing, you know, some work at the armory or something yeah. like that. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> this is like, I have no idea what she's about to say, folks. <laughs> I, I always meant to follow up with you on this and I never did. Okay. Oh, so M- Macy's is a vegetarian coffee shop with really good coffee in Flagstaff. And I've been a very dedicated patron over the years. It's also like uh ragamuffin central, you know, oh, yeah. and that's, that's fine. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm down to talk with all kinds of people, but so I, I was there and I was in my civvies, you know? And so I just, I don't know how I look to people, but I just look like this, whatever. And, um, so I sit in there and this, this girl and guy, and they were like peak ragamuffin, you know, we're, and we're drinking like at that time, $5 coffees. I mean, these are pretty freaking expensive coffees. Right. <laughs> and the girl was telling me like really urgently, like she, like she got like really animated about this, that it's just greedy and unfair for anyone to have a house and a car. You should have to pick. You either get a house or a car, but it's the peak of runaway capitalism for anyone to have both. She's telling me this. And I was like, well, okay. But I feel like, like for people who have kids and they, that's really tough to do with like young kids. Like you need a house and a car. And I don't even, I didn't even have young kids, but I was just thinking on behalf of like nuclear families and stuff. I was like, I just feel like that's, that's maybe specific to your lifestyle, but I don't really think that's going to work for a lot of people. You know, people kind of holding down the entire infrastructure of the United States type of people. Right. And, uh, and she, she was like, huh, she kind of never thought of that. She came back with something. Then she turned it to like, birth control and abortion. Anyway, I was just kind of getting like a laundry list of issues. And, and I didn't like sign up for this conversation. It just kind of was. <laughs> and, but I, I don't, I don't respond to people in ways either where they're going to be able to like easily pigeonhole me politically. Like, I, like I really try to see where they're coming from. Right. And so it was just kind of going like that. Right. Okay. And I think I'd gotten to a point where, and I'm always, I'm also always interested in sort of establishing rapport because like, why not? We usually have more in common right. with anyone. Never know who you're going to meet. You never know. Yeah. So I think we kind of, kind of got to the point where she, she, she wanted to be really mad at me for disagreeing with her, but then she realized she liked me and it was going fine. And then, and then you came walking along in your uniform, in your uniform, like six foot, whatever you are, like shaved head, high and tight boots polished, like looking good. And you're like, what's up, Braley? And I was like, what's up, bird? (laughs) 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 And uh, I think that we hugged, you know, and chatted for a little bit and then you went on your way. And this ragamuffin girl was just like so offended at your existence and that I even like knew you and you're a friend of mine. (laughs) I have that effect on women, apparently. Uh, just... <laughs> and boots, po- boots polished. Like, folks, when's the last time you saw a guy in uniform with boots polished? Like, that's we're aging ourselves here, folks. But like that. <laughs> Remember, we used to do that. We used to actually polish our boots. Yeah. Anyway, she looked at me like like I had like betrayed her yeah. or something. So anyway, sorry, that was a little off topic, but I told, listen, I told you guys at the beginning, you may get a few stories about our history and stuff. That is, I vaguely remember that day. (laughs) That girl was mad. Yeah. Uh, And she was all flustered. Like she didn't know what to do with that, you know? uh, Anyway. Good times. but, But yeah. So, so anyway. Whatever, like we we live in clown world right, right now, right. right? Like I think we can agree on that. There's just oh, every single day, every, every like, it, it the main two, we're, we're we're propaganded by the mainstream media. We're propaganded, Probably, yeah. That's a new word. I made it yeah. up, and uh, it's my show. I do whatever the fuck I want. Uh, it, it's <laughs> it's it's we are propaganded AF, yeah, bro. Yeah, right. And it, it, it's like we deal with this stuff every every day, and it, it's getting to the point where it's kind of like, listen, I've I've those of you that have followed me for years and listened to me for years know that I, I tell you I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'm not the dullest one either, and and like to see what's going on in the world right now, you really, if you're denying it, 
then you I feel like and this is my opinion that you're turning a blind eye to what's really going on because like when in the early 2000s late 90s we used to you know say oh you know North Korea and China they you know they 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 send all this propaganda stuff like North Korea they they send these speakers and they did all the the psyop stuff and in their and know, they control people's access to right, information exactly all of this not- stuff you can't tell me that that's not what's happening or what's what's being attempted to do here in the United States now. Well, I, yeah, and there's, you know, there's a girl that escaped North Korea, came here, attended Ivy League school, and then wrote a book about how that's exactly what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, that, yep. And 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 another good book that I that I bring up, and I'm sure you guys are, are sick of me bringing it up, but the the, the hundred year marathon. Talking oh, about China's control and, and, and stuff like that. We're in the middle of that right now, and, and it just makes sense. And it, it made more sense once I once I read it, listened to it. There's an audio book. You guys know I can't read, so uh, I'll, I'll listen to stuff. Yeah, I'm a little special guy, short bus kind of thing. Uh, I uh, Once I listened to that, it was like eye-opening, and then you start seeing how certain things are taking place. And we're, I'm going off on tangents. So let me bring this back in here. Because I'm talking about you songwriting, and really, what I my next question for you is: is what's next for Hannah Praley? What I hope is next, and I'm making strides in this direction, is securing some, getting some traction with sync licensing, which is uh, licensing and publishing relative to the TV and film industry. Mm, okay. Because everything that you ever look at, you know, has some music going on. Right. Those, those are all, there's music supervisors that are, you know, creating those projects and deciding what music is going to be where. And so, yeah, if any of your audience has any, first of all, likes my music, you know, and then has any connections or interest in um, music supervising, film, TV placement of music, like that's something that I'd really, really like to, uh, just work on until, until I figure it out. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've already, I've been, I've been submitting a lot of things. Um, I figured out how to like, kind of get my stuff at least floated out. I've already received two rejections, which I was actually stoked about that. You know, yeah. it's just, it's just like publishing. Like if somebody, if, oh, if somebody bothers to like write you back and reject your stuff and give you some feedback on it, then that's kind of huge, you know? Oh, absolutely. It, you, I, I look at it like I'm, you know, it, it's a numbers game. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sales guy, right? So being a business and a sales guy, it's a numbers game. So I yeah. knew, you know, that I, my, one of my jobs is I had to make 80 phone calls out of those 80. I was going to talk to five people out of those five. I was going to sell two of them at least, you know? Yeah. And it's so, but it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like that. Okay. You got, you got your two rejections. Great. That just means you're that much closer to that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to, I've been hitting that hard. I'm going to keep hitting it hard. Um, I'm hopefully going to a networking event relative to that industry, the sync licensing industry in November. And it's, I'm, I just really have to educate myself about it, you right. know, because I've been creating music the, the way that I was able to create music, but I haven't, I haven't been tailoring anything towards like, Oh, this, like, I have a better shot at placement with like this, uh, an electronica kind of sound or, you know, anything like that. So the more I can learn about it, the better. But in the meantime, um, songwriting is a constant for me. Like I said, I have a huge backlog of stuff with my producer. We have five or six tracks that, that he's working on right now, you know, and it's just been really important to me. Once I started uh, this past spring is when I, I, I started my every two weeks release of a single and I just want, I'm, I'm trying to organize my life so that I don't have to interrupt that schedule. Hopefully ever again, I'd really, really like to release a single every two weeks for, like I said, the rest of my life, because it just makes me, uh, it keeps, it keeps like water moving through the pipes, you know, yeah. like it keeps everything fresh. Like it's really exciting for me. Hannah, do you, can I, I want to ask this question. Yeah. You know, you're very passionate about your music clearly. And, and, yes. and I'm sure the listeners hear that. I, I, you know, it's unfair for me to say because I've known you for a long time, and and I know that that's what you're passionate about. Do you find uh, a sense of therapy 
in that. And the reason, let me, the reason why I'm asking that is for listeners that are out there right now. And I was, was working with an author earlier this year. We did an audio book. She just went to music school out in California uh, and whatnot. And I'm, I'm wondering if there's other listeners out there that want to find their outlet. You know, there's, there's some organizations out there that, that do music for, for veterans and, and stuff like that. But I got a lot of non-veterans that listen to this show as well. And I'm, I'm wondering is, do you find therapy in, in playing music? But more importantly, do you find therapy in, in writing it? I have a couple friends who, <coughs> they tease me. They say that my genre is therapy pop. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ther- therapy pop. Okay, that's a new one. <laughs> I'm gonna write this down. Maybe with maybe that could be the title, the therapy pop. With <laughs> I'm like, you know, you're probably not wrong. You're probably not. Um, <clears throat> I think that <clears throat> I think it is. You know, I mean, I think the answer is yes. And well, just to speak more first, make a bigger point and then make a smaller yeah. point. Like you said about your audience, veterans, civilians. <clears throat> everybody's sort of trying to find their way. And like I said, I do think that, that, that self-expression, it's either going to go creative or go destructive, depending on what we do with it. I do think that that's important. I think that the thing, the the single thing that should drive any individual's decision of sort of like where to go with that is that you have to go towards something that you can be completely honest. I mean, brutally honest in your doing of it. Yeah. And that, a lot of people are uncomfortable being very, very, very honest in the, the written word or the spoken word because we've been chastised for that all of our lives. Right. Like it totally makes sense. Yeah. I'm just like some kind of weird anomaly where that's what makes me feel good, you know? And it, to the point of even like other people feeling awkward when they listen to my music, they're like, doesn't that make you feel awkward? It's really confessional. And I'm like, no, you know, but for some reason that works for me, but I think that literally no matter what it is, that creative outlet, it has to be something where you stop lying to yourself because we kind of have to lie to ourselves and each other in little ways all the time, just to like do the stuff that we need to do in the world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's not so much like about an art form or a hobby or an activity or something that you could monetize. It's just like, Give yourself some way to be totally honest and it's going to feel really good. And that, that could be meditation. You know, I think that that's one reason why it feels so good to hang out with animals is because we just intrinsically don't have to lie to them. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I have that's, a lot of thoughts about that. That's deep. Yeah. I like that. Right? I like that. Thank you. <laughs> I, um, Hannah, what what else? We're coming up on time here, and we got a couple more minutes left. Yes. I want to know what is it that you want the listeners to know. What what is what else you want to tell the listeners about songwriting and about music in general? Well, um, I guess just off the top of my head, we we live in a time of such abundance. I mean, everybody everywhere has music, makes music, streams music, produces music. Like there's stuff, we're surrounded digitally by literally every option at any time, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, that would be depressing, you know, as a singer songwriter, as a musician in a certain sense. But I, I like it. And, and I feel like I'm, figuring out and organizing my resources so that I can create something honest and sort of emit a clear signal that's sort of like in the ether, right? I I couldn't really necessarily like describe what that is. I think it's just something sort of like vibrational and and it causes, you know, things like this interview, you know, like opportunities and ideas and like co-creations to come along. And then pretty soon you find your, you find your tribe, you know, and I, I'm glad you said it that way because my, my initial thought on that was, you know, being in the digital age that we're in right now. And like you said, so many people are out there like 
you know, either making music or podcast. I feel the same way about podcasts. Like when I oh, first, when I yeah. first, when I first started, there wasn't a lot of people doing what what we do, and and I was one of the first in the veteran community to do what we do. And mm-hmm. but now I look at it like God, there's so many podcasts out there. There's so many this, so many that. How am I going to stand out? And I, I would, I would think, and I, maybe I'm wrong. It'd be first time today, but maybe maybe it's one of those things where it's like as a songwriter maybe it's a song that you don't sing yourself but maybe another artist out there hears it and and then they want to collaborate with you and have you write songs for them or or do oh, something yeah, all like of that, that. you all know of what that i mean is so cool you know yeah yeah so it's like it's, it's like a whole new and maybe there's I don't know maybe there's there's probably things that we're not even mentioning right now that are that are just opportunity. I mean it just seems like there's so many doors of opportunity, and that could be opportunity to monetize and make money, or it could just be doors of opportunity that you know you open up one and you're like this is my purpose, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm where I'm supposed to be right now in life, and I'm going to enjoy this because this is awesome. You know what I mean? You know what I have to say about that for both you and me, like what we're both doing is that because we live in this age of digital abundance where there's everything everywhere all the time, the only way that you can make a dent or get any traction is to be super consistent over time. And the only way you can do that is if you truly love something because nobody can keep showing up for something that they aren't quite into, you know, you're going to burn out. And so I think that it kind of solves itself yeah. in a way. And it, it's it's kind of brutal, but it's also, it's like tough love for us from the universe. Because right. it's like, well, everything, nothing's going to succeed unless you love it so much that you just can't not do it. Right. You know? I, I, I and I, I'll, I'll share this with you and, and the listeners. There's been so many times in the last seven years. Uh, next month is our seven year anniversary under the Heroes Media Group brand. Huh. Yeah, it's crazy. I literally just thought about that just now, and I'm like, oh, it kind of stopped yeah. my heart for a second. I, I've tried walking away from this stuff, and and then when I try to, I'll either get a phone call, a text message, or an email with somebody asking me how I can help them start their podcast or do their audio book or do some voiceover work or whatever, and I realize that, you know, I, I'm – I, I, first off, I love doing what I do. And, and when people ask me, what business are you in? I help people get to where they want to go. That's the business I'm in because that's my passion is helping other people. And I get to do, I just have a platform. I've created a platform to allow people to do that. Hannah, there's, I got one more question here. We're coming up with time. I got to ask this question. It's a question I ask everybody. You're on the show called the decision hour. We make decisions every day. Your feet are on the line and your feet are on the line. You have to make that decision. What is it? And tell us what the atmosphere was like at the time. Uh, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Lord. Uh, I'm just going to like really synopsize this. As you know, my significant other died nine months ago. Yeah. And we had just gotten finished standing up a business that we both put everything into to get it going. And it's a federal contracting business. And uh, we, a lot of the sort of ownership paperwork type stuff was sloppy because we were in a rush to sort of meet the fire season deadline. And we were going to figure all that out later. And long story short, he died. Uh, I ended up negotiating with his family, primarily his dad uh, in what got kind of crazier and crazier. And ultimately, uh, I ended up having to seek legal counsel um, and kind of go up against him. And he's a superior force to me in every way, financially, you know, in every way. And this was a decision that I, I almost didn't do it because the, if, if anything could make, it worse when someone that you love dies, it's to become entangled in a legal battle with their family immediately afterwards. Right. You know, it's just like worse on worse. And, um, and I wouldn't have even financially been able to do it without the support of my family. I was like, how am I even going to pull this off? I just got done investing everything in this business. 
And um, my family's been like, no, that's just straight up wrong. Like this guy is a bully and he bullies people. And I've watched him do it with his own family. And he, I watched him do it with me. And I didn't want to be involved in this situation. And I really, really wanted to walk away from it, even at a loss to just be done. And there's been a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of anxiety. Um, but I just realized I, I just couldn't respect myself and like live with myself if I didn't at least make the attempt to stand up to really some pretty outrageous bullying. So that, that felt like a decision point for me that I still don't know what the outcome of that will be, but I'm glad that I made the choice that I made and I'm, I'm going to ride it till the wheels come off. <laughs> you wow. know what I mean? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Hannah as as always, you know, I love you to death and, and I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come talk with our listeners here. Love so you. thank you. you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. This means a lot to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Folks, that's all the time that we have. Make sure you go check out and look up Hannah Praley, Spotify, uh, iTunes, anywhere that you can listen to music, you'll find her. YouTube, follow her YouTube channel. Hannah Praley, check it out. Also, uh, before I let you go, i got to give a shout-out to our parent network over at Heroes Media Group. Go to heroesmediagroup.com. Check out all the shows uh, over there. Until next time, I'm Adam. We'll... Wow, totally messed up the ending on that one, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's try this again. Hey, that's all the time we got, folks. Until next time, you've been listening to The Decision Hour.